Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's everyone's favorite tournament of the year. The golfers are in Augusta, Georgia to compete for the coveted jacket. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of the action by giving you a shot to land in the green. This week, DraftKings is giving you a free shot at the $1 million top prize when you download and sign up using promo code TBPN. If you haven't tried DraftKings, this is the time. It's easy to play. Pick six golfers, stay under the salary cap, and submit your lineup before the tournament tees off early Thursday morning. Then sit back and follow the action. The more red numbers they have on the leaderboard, the closer you'll be to winning some green. Rack up points for pars, birdies, finishing position, and more. Even though you may not be able to hit the course with the pros, DraftKings is giving you the chance to scratch your competitive itch and reign supreme. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code TBPN during signup. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at the $1 million top prize. That's code TBPN, and you can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Spurscast, episode 605. My name is Paul Garcia and I'm your host on, here on the Spurscast. Today I'll be going solo for this episode. On this episode I'll be uh, discussing the Spurs' play in the last four games, the team waving Marquise Chris and signing Gorgie Jang for the rest of the season, um, looking at you know how much of a factor fatigue is in, the, in these games for the Spurs lately uh, for, for March and early on in April, and then also Keldon Johnson's play on, on offense lately uh, in these last 10 games. So I'm going to go ahead and jump right into this episode. Let's go ahead and go right into the, uh, the, the latest news for the team. Okay, so since I last recorded a week ago with Michael DeLeon, the Spurs went 2-2 two and two in their last four games. So, you know, 500 ball these last four games. So let's go back to Saturday. So the Spurs, um, you know, built a pretty big lead against the Chicago Bulls. Um, they led by 36 points. The Bulls kind of, you know, fought back a little bit in the second half. But in the end, the Spurs got a comfortable win by 16 points. Then on Monday, the Spurs were hosting the Sacramento Kings. They fell behind by 19 points in this game, and they ended up losing by 17 points. Uh, one thing to, to note is that the Kings shot very well from three in this game. Then the opposite happened on Wednesday. The Spurs again played the Kings uh, in San Antonio. The Spurs actually were the ones who led by 23 in this game, and they ended up winning uh, uh, against the Kings by 14 points. And one thing to note there is that the Kings really struggled from three in this game, despite getting the same exact amount of wide-open threes in both games. They got 18 attempts in, in each of those games from wide-open three, the Kings. And in one game on Monday, they made them all, uh, made the majority of them. And then the second game, they just they, they couldn't make them. And so that was that was a huge difference. And San Antonio, I should also note, shot better on, from three on their end uh, in, in compared to Monday to, to Wednesday. And then, um, you know, lastly, on Thursday, the Spurs, um, you know, had a, a back-to-back with the, with the uh, Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks came to town. 
Um, the Spurs trailed by 11 in the third quarter, but they, they fought back. They forced overtime. Uh, then in, in the first overtime period, um, you know, both teams only scored nine points, so that sent the game to a second overtime. And in this one, um, the Spurs did end up losing at the end of the day by five points. Uh, Trey Young really played well in those those uh, two overtime periods for, for Atlanta, even though he struggled for most of the game in the first three quarters. Uh, and, you know, despite the fact that he had he had five fouls that he was working with in, in going into the overtime period. So, yeah, the Spurs did make that comeback, um, fought back a little bit, but they couldn't, you know, overcome the, 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 the Hawks, and they ended up losing by five in double OT. So, again, 500 week uh, for the Spurs uh, they were favored barely in all these four games you know because these are teams that were that are all below 500 in the Bulls the Kings and the Hawks um, the Spurs you know pretty much leave off in the standings where, where we had last discussed a week ago they're now 24 and 22 by record uh, they're eighth in out west you know still in, in play for that playing game when, whenever the season ends uh, as of right now they're they're slightly got better on on offense in terms of rankings they they went from 21st a week ago to now 20th on offense uh and then they're 10th on defense so they kind of remain 10th on defense they haven't really moved from there and then uh they've now uh they have they have just 36 percent of their season left you know with, with uh, uh of these games remaining Let's go to our second um, item here on the news list. Uh, the Spurs did make some roster moves. They waived Marquise Chris uh, recently this past week, and also they signed Gorgie Jang. Uh, however, you know we're going to talk about how, how Gorgie Jang got injured uh, in his first game that he that he appeared with the Spurs. So let's go back to Sunday. The Spurs announced that the, you know they had waived Marquise Chris, uh, who had one point eight million dollars left on his contract. So that that'll pretty, pretty much um, you know stay on the books, uh, and then you know it, he'll he'll be he was going to be an unrestricted free agent, so there'll be no cap impact. He won't have any kind of cap hold on the salary sheet. Um, this coming off season we already knew that chris was out for the rest of the season with an, with a with a leg injury so he there was no chance that he was going to play this this come in, in this current season then let's go to monday the spurs announced that they had signed six foot ten um um big man gorgie jang uh according to bobby marks uh and also uh, basketball insiders jang got one million dollars out of the spurs's mle for the rest of the season so he will get paid one million dollars then this offseason they'll have his they'll have um a cap hold on him where they can try to resign him uh with, with non-bird rights uh uh, if they wanted to, he will be an unrestricted free agent. So again, uh, this uh, uh, Gorgie Jang lands on the team for the rest of the season. So Wednesday, uh, Jang actually got his first um, minutes with the Spurs, but he got hurt six minutes into checking into the game. He came off the bench, uh, kind of replacing Jakob Pertl there, and uh, he, he went up for a shot attempt, uh, and he drew a free throw, but Chemezi Metu, former Spurs, kind of jumped on, um, kind of landed on his shoulder a little bit awkwardly, and so uh, get, uh, after taking the free throw um, and playing a few minutes, Jang um, you know, went out of the game, and then he basically was rolled out for the rest of the game. Then on uh, Thursday, uh, before the, the game against the Hawks, uh, Coach Pop says that he was kind of just giving a guess of a ballpark uh, a number of days that Jang could be out. He said he thinks he might be out for about a week. So again, Jang is signed to the team. It looks like uh, he's going to take uh, Drew Eubanks' minutes uh, there in the um, as the backup five behind Jakob Pertl based on, on when Pop gave him some minutes. But but for now, you know, he is going to be out for about a week, it looks like, uh, uh, in the lineup. What does Jang bring, bring to the team? Well, with Memphis in just 22 games and 371 minutes, here's what he was doing. Uh, his offensive shot profile, 44% of his shots came from three, so we know that he stretches the floor for a big man. Uh, 40% of his shots uh, come in the paint, and then just 16% of his shots come from mid-range. What is he? What was he bringing on defense with Memphis in those few games that he played? Um, he was he was very active in, in his numbers and deflections, um, steals, contested shots, blocks, and defensive rebounds. So he's going to bring a little bit of, the, uh, of those elements to the Spurs if if he continues with that production that that he was uh, providing to Memphis. And we know that he he fouls a bit much. That was that was one little little concerning number there uh, was his fouling uh, in those few minutes again, 371 with Memphis. Uh, so again, that's kind of what what he's going to bring to the to the floor. That I think the the one part that he brings to the floor that that, that Drew Eubanks. Kind 
kind of wasn't bringing was was the fact that he stretches the, the floor from the outside. You know, we've seen that that defense, like we talked about the last two episodes here on the Spurs cast, defenses, if you just push pause on the Spurs game against a, a pretty good defense, you know, they have to be ranked, I'd say, like league average to, to top 10 uh, in that area. And if you watch those kind of defenses, they purposely, you know, wall off the paint for the Spurs. They really try to, to play a lot more zone or just kind of keeping three three um, front court players inside, kind of manning the paint, uh, trying to limit the Spurs' drives and, and uh, because that's one of the ways that the Spurs excel on offense is to get to get drives in the paint to um, kick out to three-point shooters or to uh, try to draw fouls. And if you can take away the paint, well, then that just leaves the Spurs having to, to rely on their mid-range jumpers and their, and their three-point shots. And we know that a lot of their, their shooters aren't, aren't um, you know, aren't very efficient from three right now uh, on this team like we discussed last week in detail. So th- so that's kind of what defenses do. And so Jang helps out in that department because we know that defenses, that Yaka, Proto, and Drew Eubanks don't, don't stretch out to, to the three-point line um, at, at all. So that's going to give... Um, the Spurs another big man to kind of play more five out type of offense and and kind of just uh, you know keep keep the keep the, uh, the 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 paint more open if they can some some players can get those drives because uh, Jango Jango uh, is is a pretty good shooter from three based on the numbers again from this season so that's kind of what, what Jango bring and why uh, he, it looks like right now he would get uh, Drew Eubanks's minutes there uh, off of the bench. Move on to our third topic, and that's to uh, kind of keep an eye on Cam Reynolds. I know that uh, he's currently on that 10-day contract. Um, you know, it does expire on Sunday, April 4th, so that's something to watch. Is The Spurs have three three um, ways that they can handle uh, what, what to do next once um, Cam's um, uh, 10-day contract expires. They can uh, Option one is they can just sign him to another 10-day contract, so, you know, they can do that. Uh, they're allowed to do two 10-day contracts in the season. Then after that, they either have to let the player go or try to re-sign him to a rest-of-the-season deal. So, again, um, after Sunday, you know, there might be an open roster spot if they don't um, uh, re-sign Reynolds to another 10-day. Uh, they can let the, the offer, I mean, the contract expire. So, again, after 10 days, uh, he can become an unrestricted free agent. They have a they have a 15th spot, spot open if they want to sign someone else or they just want to re-sign Reynolds. And then, like, like I mentioned a while ago, you know, the last thing they can do is just sign him for the rest of the season if they wanted to. We have seen um, Cam play um, some minutes here. He's played um, just very many minimal minutes in uh, three of the last four games and again it's mainly because of the because of the uh, deficits whether the Spurs won by a lot or whether the other team was winning by a lot coach pop will usually put him in in like the last two minutes of a game and he'll just you know you know get get some run there uh, along with like uh, Lucas Shimanich and um, and Trey Jones so again it's not it's not that he's been getting actual minutes in the rotation you know because Lonnie Walker's been out with the injury um uh, so instead, it's just been with the wrist injury, should I say, for Lonnie. But it's more so just been to have some depth there in, in the event that a game's pretty much settled in the fourth quarter. Coach Pop has an option to to, throw, to put another player in there, uh, such as Reynolds. Uh, that's where he's kind of been getting his minutes. And then we we do want to note that Lonnie, it looks like he's going to be coming back pretty soon here. Uh, he, we know that he's missed six games in a row as of that, that Hawks game. But uh, he was, before that Hawks game took place, he was uh, listed as uh, as probable in one of these, these earlier games. So that's a sign that Lonnie could be coming back uh, pretty soon after missing um, six games. Uh, uh, with the Spurs. So again, kind of just keep an eye out on Cam Reynolds and see what, what the team decides to do with that 15th roster spot uh, with, with his um, uh, 10-day contract expiring here on uh, Sunday, April 4th. All right, the next topic I want to talk about, and, and this is a, this is kind of a tough one to kind of, just because we don't have the, as, as public, um, in the public, we don't have the information that the teams have. We know that the teams have all these different, you know, health metrics and, and different kind of data that they that they have with their with their, with their their team medical staff that kind of monitors players and, and their minutes played and just all the kind of things that they have. And, and that's what really uh, 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 makes a big impact on whether or not players sit out games or whether or not uh, the, how the minutes are structured on the team. And so again, th- that data is not really made available publicly to us, although all that advanced info that, that, that the teams have, but what we do have is just some minor uh, type of um, a, a data out there in terms of of, of, of uh, distance and speed, and so that's kind of what I wanted to look at is because I I really do you know we have noted that you know the Spurs do have a grueling schedule here in the uh, second half of the season 
where, um, you know, just because, you know, they really don't have a day off anymore um, ever since the All-Star break uh, was over. They, they really don't have um, consecutive days off, should I say. They do get a day off, but they have so many back-to-backs. They have, they, have a, they have a game pretty much every other night. Uh, Derek White was talking about uh, after, the, after the game against the Hawks how it just feels like there's a game every single day and you just have to, to mentally kind of reset your mind that here's another game, here's a new opponent. And so, so it, there is some sort of, I just wanted to look at, you know, what is the distance and speed metrics? That's the, the closest I can find in terms of, of looking, trying to, trying to gauge... Um, uh, whether or not fatigue's really playing an impact in the season. And I want to see what do these metrics show. So there is a little bit of a story here from what I can tell here. You know, I pulled up the Spurs um, pre-All-Star break miles per game. So this is distance and miles per game that, that they run in a game. And then I, I pulled up their um, post-All-Star break miles in, in a game. So again, this is pretty much all of a, uh, March and then um, that, those, that first game in April. And so I do see a decrease. I'm going to put this on, on Twitter. I'll put it on my Twitter. Um, Paul Garcia, NBA, if you want to look at this and really dissect this data. And so we do see that, and just looking at the 10 rotation players. So the, when I say 10 rotation players, we're talking about DeMar DeRozan, DeJounte Murray, Keldon Johnson, Lonnie Walker IV, Patty Mills, Jakob Pertl, Derek White, Rudy Gay, Devin Vassell, and Drew Eubanks. So when, when I look at this data of how the players were, per, how, how much distance they were covering pre-All-Star break and post-All-Star break, Pretty much everyone has seen a decline in terms terms of the, the miles they're running in a game, except for for three players. Um, Jakob Pertl has seen his miles in a game increase uh, to two from one point eight three miles per game to two point zero six. Derek White has seen one point seven five miles to now two point two two miles in a game, and then Drew Eubanks zero point nine four to one point zero seven. So there's a little, and then everyone else uh, in terms of those rotation players has seen a decrease in, in the amount of um, area on the floor that they're covering in a game that they're running. And so there's a little bit of story here for these three players. We know that Jakob, you know, in the beginning of the season, he wasn't the starting five. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge still was. And then as Aldridge was hurt, and then, um, you know, he started coming off the bench until he got waived recently, Jakob became, eventually became the starting big. So that, there's a little bit of a story there for Jakob why his distances has um, expanded just because, again, he's playing more minutes. He's, 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 a, he's, a, he's the focal point in terms of, uh, of the, the back of five position. Um, then Derek White, same thing. You know, we know that he was dealing with injuries pretty much the entire um, first half of the season. He finally started coming back here in, in uh, February. And so we've seen his increase in terms of miles played um, start, starting to expand as well. And also we know that Derek became the starting two, um, um, you know, right right after he came back after a few games. And then same thing for Drew Eubanks. You know, he, he, he was kind of, there was games where he wasn't playing at all. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we know that he also had to deal with COVID where he was out for a while. And then as Aldridge was gone, it, he kind of became that that um, that backup five to, to Jakob Pertle. And so, so we've seen also Drew's um, coverage kind of um, uh, start to expand. But again, like I mentioned, DeRozan, we've seen we've seen a, a, a decrease in, in the, the amount of space that he covers and went on the floor in terms of running miles per game. Dejounte Murray, Kelton Johnson, Lonnie Walker, uh, Patty Mills, Rudy Gay, and Devin Vassell. So all those players have seen a decrease. Then we can look at the average speed that the players run in terms of miles per game. And there's a very similar story here where a lot of the players we've seen from pre-All-Star break to post-All-Star break, their, their miles per game, the, 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 how fast they run in the game, you know, the, the, the speed, uh, it has decreased for all but two players. And those two players are Keldon Johnson. Uh, he went from pre-All-Star break running 4.28 miles per game miles per hour in a game to 4.29 so just a 0.1 uh, uh increase then uh Derek White uh went from 4.16 to 4.20 so again uh, a little bit of an increase for Derek and we know that like I mentioned he's playing more minutes so so it's interesting because I'm going to talk about Kel- Kelton in a bit that he's actually playing he's actually running a, a lot faster uh, just barely though uh 
post All Star break, um, despite you know some of the struggles that that, that we've seen on, on, from him on, on his end uh, in, on offense. And so we do see though from all the other players, you know, they have gotten, uh, you know, they're not running as fast in the game um, uh, in these last in, in the second part of the season here in post All Star break. So so you know, it's hard to quantify exactly how much of a, of a factor fatigue is playing. But this is the closest I could do in terms of finding some some sort of. Um, uh, data that shows you know just how much distance is the team covering how much speed how, how fast are the players running and like i mentioned across the board we're seeing decreases uh in speed per game from um De- DeRozan, Dejounte murray lonnie walker patty mills yaka Pertle, uh who else here rudy gay devin vassell and then even drew eubanks has, has seen a, a small reduction in speed so so you know there is some sort of right now you know if, if everything was green where everyone's just playing faster or or covering more miles per game we could say that okay maybe or, or it was kind of like right at, at the exact amount we could say okay so the fatigue really isn't a factor but i think that now that we see some of this data uh it, it is a bit of a, a concerning uh, trend to watch especially because there's really no break coming for this team until the playoffs get here you know there's no consecutive days off they're always going to either have a back-to-back or 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 just one day off in between games, uh, and so they, they've just got to kind of just just rush, just continue to, to to slog through it. Uh, and this is something Coach Pop uh, mentioned, you know, after the game. Um, you know, he uh, you know the Spurs did lose to the Hawks in that double overtime game, but he says you know he was kind of proud of the guys of how they fought back. You know how, how they just didn't give up despite you know three three games and four nights. So Coach Pop, you can just tell based on his post game comments that he understands that you know even though they're losing games here and there, uh, he 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 knows like it, it's not really it, it's hard for them because one part is like they're not getting the days off. They're, they're they're really struggling with this fatigue, and then part two is that they just haven't had any practice time because they can't have a practice with with no no consecutive days off. So so they can't even really work on their on their mistakes that they're having in these games on offense and defense because there's just no no practice time allowed. And you know the only thing to take back is that you know pretty much the, the entire league is like this for a lot of the teams that that had to um you know have can- uh, games canceled early on in the first half of the season. They're having a tough time here in the second half of the season in terms of the, the amount of games they have to play because of you know they're trying to to to, to recapture and make it to the seventy two full games here uh for the year so again we'll kind of see what happens with the spurs and, and whether or not they can start putting a winning streak together or or how much this fatigue will continue to uh impact them but I, again i i i do think that there that we can you can say uh in a way that that fatigue is kind of impacting this team based on, on some of these data that we're seeing with the distance covered uh per game and also the average speed of the players um in these games uh the last topic is uh Kelton johnson's play in these last um 10 games um, you know, especially on offense, you know, defensively, he, he uh, you know, his numbers have kind of been the same where he's kind of playing out of position where he's, he's, he's six foot six or six foot five, uh, whatever, uh, and, uh, um, you know, height you're list you're looking at on a different on different websites, and um and so he's kind of always having to play uh, guard the force. So we know that on defense, um you know he struggles a little bit just because he's having to play out of positions. But but we we did notice you know early on in the season how on offense he was really being a force in the paint, uh, just attacking defenses nonstop. Um um also getting to the free throw line, and and he would only take a three if he really had to in a possession. But but we've noticed how how defenses have, have really changed there. Um, their 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 way of guarding him, and you know teams, you know share tape, and they, or they see what what the other what, not not share tape, but they they watch what other defenses did the, the games prior. So when, when they do their scouting on players, and so this is an interesting comment by Derek White the other uh, just recently after the Atlanta game. Um, Derek had uh, had a quote when he was asked about Keldon's play, you know his slump lately on on offense, and he just said, um, Derek White said, um, you know the league kind of figures you out, and you've just got to make adjustments. So so that was Derek thinks that you know Keldon will eventually um figure it out. You know he he knows that right now the defenses if you. Can can just push pause on, on any offensive possession and you're going to see that you know, like, like i mentioned really good defenses that are um usually around um you know number one through like 15 um they're they're pretty good about just walling off the paint for Keldon. they really keep about three or four feet away from him whether he's on the ball or even off the ball so they're basically they're just daring him to shoot 
whether it's daring him to take mid-rangers, which he doesn't take at all, which is which is a good, good a good thing because you know you don't want him taking those non-efficient shots. But the three-point shot, they're just completely leaving him open. When we look at the, the rotation players on the Spurs, Keldon takes the most of his threes that are wide open on the team in terms of rotation players. So 70%, should I say, 70% of his threes are attempted wide open. So again, this is telling you defenses are completely leaving leaving him open, daring him to shoot. And and we know that the reason why they do that is because it's paying off on their end, on defensive end, because they uh, they see that Keldon only shoots 33% on wide open threes and 32% overall from threes. So, so we do know, you know, we do see that, that he struggles there from that, that wide open three. And if you're not shooting over 40%, and it's not just Keldon, should I say, we talked about this last week with Michael DeLeon, it's pretty much the majority of the Spurs players shoot um, below 40% on wide open threes, except for um, uh, Rudy Gay, Lonnie Walker, and Patty Mills. Those are the only three players on the Spurs right now that really scare the defense where they think that uh, they see them as a threat. And this reminds me of of, uh, of the, the Hawks game. The Hawks were playing a lot of what it looked like 2-3 zone defense against the Spurs where they constantly wanted to keep their three rotation players inside the paint to kind of wall it off and, and not let the Spurs get in there. And so what does that show? That shows that um, you know the only player that they were really sticking close to was Patty Mills when the Spurs were on offense. They were kind of leaving a lot of those players, the other players, open. And I know that Derek White had a great game in this game where he made seven threes. But if you look at Derek's um, 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 open, wide open three-point percentage coming into that game, he also was struggling a little bit. So if Derek start, as Derek starts to get his three-point shot better, which I think he's at 35% right now as, as I'm recording this, as he starts to get his three-point shot more consistent uh, and gets out of his shooting slump, uh, and this might be the case because he's been knocking down a bunch of threes in these last few games, well, then I think Derek's going to become finally that fourth threat from three where, where, where defenses are more worried about him. So again, the Spurs would have Lonnie Walker, Patty Mills, Derek White, and Rudy Gay as, as their you know, respectable three-point shooters where defenses will not you know, you know, want to back off them. But for now, um, you know, Keldon's in that group of like DeJounte Murray and Jakob Pertl, uh, DeMar DeRozan, Drew Eubanks, the, the players that, that the defense isn't worried about from three. They're going to leave them wide open. They're going to give them about two or three feet of space and just try to force them to take mid-range jumpers or, or threes and, and and really try to take away the paint from those players because that's where the, those those players are, are most effective. And so we've really seen this with Keldon where, um, you know, in the last 10 games, one of his strengths this season is just kind of scoring in the paint, you know, kind of just getting into the, the teeth of the defense in the paint and, and, and getting a lot of shots there and, and makes and then also, you know, drawing fouls. And, and we haven't seen that in these last 10 games where he's only gotten to the paint three times. I mean, gotten uh, 10 points from the paint, should I say. Again, 10 points in the paint in just three games out of his last 10 that he's played in. And so th- those teams that he did that against were the Cavs, uh, the the Chicago Bulls, and the Milwaukee Bucks. So again, a- a- out of those three teams, the only team that, that's pretty, you know, that's a good defensive team there is, is the Milwaukee Bucks. So he was able to do that against two of the teams that struggle from defense. And so again, that's just kind of something to watch is that he, like Derek said, you know, the, the, t- the league has, has seen the, the scouting report in Kelton. It's wall off the paint from him. Don't don't let him take any shots inside. Try to keep him out of the paint. And, um, and, and you'll have a good chance of kind of limiting his effectiveness on offense and so we saw that just recently where he had just five points against the um the Atlanta Hawks and then he had a game where he had like seven points or nine points so so again as long as they're, they're continuing to force him to either take the three or or or, or maybe look at the mid-range jumper that that's a win for the defense on, on their end and so we'll see what Kelton can do and what the Spurs can do as well scheme-wise to try to get him a little bit more involved and get him um you know you know better shots near near his area of strength which is the paint uh, I think one, one thing we've seen is when they can get out of the break by creating um you know possessions on defense where they would create steals or blocks and things like that they can get Kelton going um out on the break and that's that's a good way to to, to get him some some some, some pain points because uh, in the half court right now it's a, it's a bit tough for him so again we'll kind of see what happens uh, with Kelton and how um, 
and, and how he's able to um, kind of adjust and get back to, to the level of, of play on offense that he was he was performing with, or whether or not maybe a lineup change needs to happen because, you know, it's just it's just too much where every defense is kind of doing the same thing and backing off off the paint. I mean, uh, backing off the three-point line and, and the mid-range for him, and so maybe the, the, the Spurs need to get some more shooting uh, in the starting lineup uh, if that's the case. So, again, we'll kind of just see what happens with Keldon um, going forward and see if he can get out of that, 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 that slump. Uh, but it is just interesting to mention just because of what, what – um, what Derek White mentioned, and and Coach Pop did mention that you know he didn't think that physically there was anything um, going on with with Kelton in terms of like fatigue if it was really impacting him. And, and like I mentioned, he was actually one of the players out of that data that I was talking about in speed per game. He was actually one of the few players that was actually um, playing faster than than, than pre All breaks. So again, we'll kind of just see what happens with Kelton. All right, so before we wrap up, I, I just want you to um, just wanted to, to uh, remind you to visit ProjectSpurs.com if you have, uh, if you have some time. Uh, Steven Anderson continues to keep you. Um, uh, prepared for, I mean, um, I mean, and he continues to analyze the the, the Spurs and their games uh, each night uh, with his recaps and, and analysis. Um, Benjamin Bornstein's getting ready for the draft here um, with his latest prospect watch over Isaiah Livers or Livers uh, by Ben Bornstein. Um, we have a new writer, uh, Rocky Garza Jr. His latest piece is uh, called "San Antonio Spurs Fans Should Be Ready to Experience the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly at Times." And then also, um, Colin Reed continues to to um, work on those those um, uh, Project Spurs audio extra pieces. Uh, and the latest one is um, why the Aldridge buyout was beneficial for both sides, for the Spurs and the, and, and the Brooklyn Nets. And again, you can you can listen to those. Uh, on projectspurs.com you can also go to youtube and colin uh, has those in video format as well so again those those are pretty interesting pieces that colin's uh, been creating um, lately uh so again um yeah so thanks again um for listening here on the spurs cast and also thank you to michael de leon for mixing and producing this episode from all of us at project spurs stay safe and have a great day